0: Sacred City Life podcast. This is your host, Pastor Justin Dean, and this podcast is all about helping you follow Jesus in the everyday normal rhythms of life. And with me today is my pastoral assistant, Kevin Noor. Hey, guys. And my deacon of Sacred City Youth, Alex Tate. How's it going? And we are here uh, to chop it up about uh, kind of a question that I get fairly often <clears throat> and even i could say a complaint i get fairly often about um some some issues with my preaching sometimes <clears throat> the question goes like this justin how do you guys pick the topics that you talk about on the podcast oh and um <laughs> and oh and uh, and then sometimes people will be like justin I've heard it said like this in in more of a negative way. You seem to get into like kind of rhythms, like you're all about this one thing for a little while, and then you're all about this one thing for a little while, and then you're all about this one thing for a little while. And what, you know, where does that come from?
1: I mean, is that not being a part of understanding what culture is going on and things like that, right? Well, yeah,
0: it is. But then some people would say like, but are you taking your cues from culture and just whatever's hot in the culture right now, that's what you're talking about. Um, And I hope, you know, if you go back 10 years and you listen to hopefully every single, you could choose randomly any sermon. I'm pretty confident that you're going to hear the gospel. Yeah. in that sermon, but you're also going to hear some, probably what you might call cultural commentary Mm -hmm. or me attempting to apply the gospel to a certain situation. Yeah. And, um, and and this is how it comes up. And I've said this from the stage, like um, before, like when I talk about things. If you come on one Sunday, you might go, "Man, that dude is a right wing idiot," <laughs> right? And then you come on the next Sunday, or maybe a month later, two months later, "Whoa, that guy's a left wing idiot." <laughs> you, know, <laughs> you know, like uh, I've been called, you know, cultural Marxist. I've mm-hmm. been called, uh, uh, you know. I've been called a lot of things, fundamentalist, right-winger, left-winger, fund, you know, all these different, whatever things, and I've been called a lot in between probably. Um, and so the question is, like, why, why does that happen? Um, what's going on? Well, we've been talking a lot about world, the importance of worldview, Right? And Christians are not just meant to believe the gospel and then that's it. God gives us faith to believe all of the Bible. right? And the Bible gives us a a story of humanity, tells Mm -hmm. us about who we are, who God is, who the world is, what's the big problem in the world, what's going to fix it, how we're supposed to live our life. So the Bible gives us a, a, a worldview. And it also shows us, the Bible shows us Um, godless worldviews or pagan worldviews or pluralistic worldviews. And the apostle tells us that we're to resist the spirit of the world, Mm -hmm. right? So there's this active, we're to believe God's view of the world and the way, what God says about everything and we're to resist any distortion of that reality that the world would, that the world would distort, right? that the world would do, that that would be sin. Just like the devil always tries to twist scripture, the world always tries to twist scripture. So now here's, um, this is a, a quote from Francis Schaeffer. He's long dead now, but he is a Christian philosopher and theologian, and he said this. The Christian is to resist the spirit of the world, but when we say this, we must understand that the world spirit does not always take the same form. Mm. So, world spirit—you could think of the cultural worldview, yeah—the spirit of the age, the what's in vogue, in 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 this, in that, in whatever age a believer uh, exists in, right? So he, I go. So that was in quote. I'm going to go back to quote him. So the Christian must resist the spirit of the world in the form it takes in his own generation. Okay. The Christian must resist the spirit of the world in the form it takes in his own generation.
1: Let's break that down. What what, do you mean
0: by that? So culture always takes a different, a certain shape, right? And that, and that shape, there's always Christian aspects of that if there's believers present in that culture, and then there's the way unbelievers are twisting reality mm. and culture takes a, a certain shape. Yeah. So there's different things that are in vogue now than that were in in vogue. So let's go. Let's just think about homosexuality. Yeah, you go back to the Roman world. Homosexuality was was no big no big deal to the Romans. Okay, mm. uh, they practice homosexuality. Men could marry men. Men married men. They did all this, okay? But then, kind of, then Christianity took root in that civilization and taught that homosexuality was a sin against God and against nature and against the family. And then you see Christianity begin to take roots. Now, listen, there's never been a purely, 100% pure Christian culture. Right. But, but Christianity has taken root in certain cultures and made that culture more Christian than it was before. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well. So then, for <clears throat> let's just say, two thousand years, eighteen hundred years, eighteen hundred years, homosexuality is out of vogue. It is no longer. Um,
1: they normalize it.
0: It's yes. It well for eighteen hundred years it wasn't normal. Yeah. So so think about that. Way back with the Romans, it was normal. Then for eighteen hundred years of human civilization, again, it wasn't normal, Mm -hmm. right? Well, now obviously it has become normalized again. Right. So you see how the spirit of the age has changed. It's ebbed and flowed. It's come and gone with with different cultures. Right. Right. Okay. So that's so he says, Francis Schaeffer again. So the Christian must resist the spirit of the world in the form it takes in his own generation. If he does not do this, he is not resisting the spirit of the world at all. Hmm. This is especially so for our generation as the forces at work against us are of such a total nature. It is our generation of Christians more than any other who need to heed these words attributed to Martin Luther. And this is the quote that I think is outstanding. Kevin, would would you read this quote? Yeah. If I profess with the loudest voice and clearest exposition every portion of the truth of God, except precisely that little point which the world and devil are at at that moment attacking. I am not confessing Christ. However boldly I may be professing Christ. Where the battle rages, there the loyalty of the soldier is proved. And to be steady on all the battlefield besides is mere flight and disgrace if he flinches at that point. Okay. So here's what he's saying. There are... In my vernacular, there are always things that the world is going to look in at Christianity and say, ooh, I like that. I like that. Yeah. And then there are always going to be things in Christianity that the world says, I hate that. That's terrible. That's horrible for society. Get Mm. that out of here. If a Christian only professes the things that our culture likes about Christianity, Martin Luther says they are not confessing Christ. Mm -hmm. He says that where the battle rages, there the loyalty of the soldier is proved. And to be steady on all the battlefield besides is mere flight and disgrace if he flinches at this point. Mm. So where the culture begins to ruffle its feathers and say, I hate this about Christianity. That's where the battle is raging.
1: Mm.
0: Okay. Now there's always things that they like. Okay. So let me just kind of put this. So in, in America, culture changes really fast, especially lately. Yeah. It really changes drastically these days with whoever's in office. Right. So when this is an example, when Trump was in office and the George Floyd things happened and Trump was notoriously bad at having any type of kind of empathy or sympathy or speaking coherently and compassionately towards uh, anything going on uh, with with uh, racial issues and ongoing racial Division in our society, the Charlottesville stuff, um, he just fumbled and and made huge blunders and um and and from a person just objectively looking in, it looked like he was doing it on purpose. It was like so bad it's like this guy might be a racist now, I have even said that now listen i I don't know Trump, but I don't believe he's purposefully a race racist, but I think he was doing a lot of things to propagate that. Now, I could be totally wrong. I know people, people but I'm just trying to give, every, I'm going to try to give both sides the benefit of the doubt here, okay? But when that was going on, I was passionately uh, proclaiming the gospel towards that hot button issue at that moment, right? Now, listen, that was not smart in a business sense for me to do. Right. Cause that's going against, um, it was just not a good time, not a good time to be doing it. Right. And, but I, I was, I was, I was doing it. Right. Um, because I believe that I believe in, uh, the Imago Dei and every person, I believe that racism is still a sin that needs to be rooted out. It's in the heart of every single person. Um, and I, I believe that, um, the threat of author- authoritarianism or, or totalitarianism or um, race war or all those different things, I think that's a genuine threat that needs to be pushed back against and shown how the gospel of Jesus Christ is not conducive in any, in any way towards that type of movement, white nationalism, whatever, yeah. okay? <clears throat> but then, everything kind of, well, let's just, I'm just going to, it's shifted in different ways, but let's just say when, when Biden comes in, Biden is on the complete opposite side of that. <clears throat> Biden is hiring people just because they are people of color or just because they're Muslim or just because they're homosexual or just because they're transgender. He, he's virtue signaling mm-hmm. and using the, the critical theory and intersectionality to fill out his cabinet, right? And, and so the cultural waters shifted. Now you even see this with, uh, you can call it woke capitalism, that every person on television these days is trying to put, you know, it's either, uh, whatever is cool, right? So it's there's there's gotta be people of color on every single thing. There's gotta be gay people on every single thing. There's gotta be lesbians. There's gotta be transgender. There's gotta be all this stuff. And it's like, if you're woke, you've got to do those things, okay? So uh, as the cultural waters kind of shift a little bit, as the battle moves, now I I'm, I come out against what I see as the, the, the new threat, right? The, or the greatest threat right now. Is racism still a problem? Absolutely, mm-hmm. absolutely. Is it the greatest threat that's ever faced us right now? Absolutely not. I don't think so. I think... Um, I think we still have work to do, but I do not believe we've talked about the critical race theory around here. We've talked, we've had podcasts on that. Yeah. There's so, is there some truth in that? Sure. Yes, absolutely. There's some, tr- there's some truth in that. But if you swallow that ideology, hook, line and sinker, like the Biden administration has, now you've got all kind of problems. Mm-hmm. Now you've got all kinds of problems. And so that's why we've, some of the topics that I've been addressing, I feel like this is the hot button issue now with it which is kind of again it's still kind of totalitarianism and authorita- authoritarianism but it's in a different form than it was uh, under under Trump it's more of a soft form through through woke capitalism and through even some of the the stuff that the president is kind of pushing through through executive order and not through legislation yeah. process so we've been talking a lot about the government we've been talking a bit a lot about mm-hmm. uh, spheres sphere sovereignty and and vaccine mandates and all these different things
1: but i think too like it's really good that i mean as you've been speaking about these things it's not like you're building sermons around these topics and these top your sermons are only topical to these things Mm. you're actually walking through books of the bible and the bible is talking about these things as you are preaching so i think that's just really good because there's so many pastors that whatever is a hot button or whatever is cool or whatever is bringing a vibe, mm-hmm. they're gonna, they're gonna make a sermon or only for that,
0: you yep. know. Yep. That's a really good point. So 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 here's what happens. When and this is some of this is obviously it's gonna be subjective, right? I'm the head pastor here, I'm the lead pastor here. Um, the elders believe that I have a, a a gift of discernment. And so some things there's like things I'm discerning. And it's not necessarily it might not even be necessarily in the like the national culture. Yeah. It might be in our church culture. Mm-hmm. You know, um, <clears throat> if I hear people getting too bandwagging, ba- bandwagon folks under certain politicians, I might feel the need to come out and say, and, and to say, "Oh, hold on, we need to, we need, I, yeah. we need to think like we're not beholden to any political party, mm-hmm. yeah. right? And or any politician under G, because Jesus, Jesus is our king.
1: Yeah, yeah,
0: and so." Um, I had a lot of problems with Trump because he did not look like Jesus at all, right? Mm-hmm. No matter what he said. Um, but I have a whole lot of problems with Biden, too. So, you know, I thought Trump was kind of a raging lunatic. And I think, you know, Biden is a slimy politician that has got one foot in the grave. And mm-hmm. and, and he's embraced a lot of godless ideology. So now that, that's my personal personal preference there. Right. But here's the, so here's the deal. It's some of this is subjective. It's like, and here's, it's like something I'm seeing or something I'm hearing or something people are saying to me. And then it causes me to go, Ooh, and this is what I call, um, emergency reading. Mm. So when I'm reading, I'm always reading the Bible. I'm reading the Bible nonstop. I'm always reading pretty much Lord of the Rings. You guys know that too. Uh, (laughs) And then I'm, I'm always reading, like, some kind of devotional-ish book, like a the, work of theology, a deep theology that it's always—it's never—it's a dead theologian that it's always solid and helps me stay grounded and, and not be caught up in the culture of the age or the spirit of the age. But then a lot of my reading outside of that is what I call emergency reading. Yeah. yeah. It's where, you know, so, you know, critical race theory, right? I don't think I had heard of critical race theory before two years ago, you know. And so, what did I do? I bought a bunch of books on critical race theory, and I read as much as I could, even of, of the primary authors. Right mm-hmm. before it was critical. Before I was reading on critical race theory, I was actually taking the advice of my African American brothers and sisters in Christ and, and pastors in our actual network, and I wrote, read a bunch of books just on. The history of slavery, on the history of um, race relations in the United States, on Jim Crow, on all of just all of the repercussions of of slavery in the United States all the way up to the to the present. So I could understand um, I didn't just go off my gut reaction. I could actually understand from a historical perspective what they're talking about when they're saying race is still a huge problem. Right. So I had to do a bunch of reading on that. Uh, when I started here, when, when Bernie Sanders starts talking about democratic socialism, I'm like, well, that's a word that hasn't been in vogue in a long time. We have, if we're pulling socialism back, socialism had a bad rap, rap so let, what's he talking about, democratic socialism? So then I start reading all about this, you know, what are they talking about, democratic socialism? Uh, and I spent um, the better part of the last two years reading a lot about different philosophies of government. Uh, you know, from democratic to liberalism to republic, you know to um, man, I uh, libertarian. Um, what's the what's the one where they anarchism? Uh, all these, you know. So
1: you do a lot of reading.
0: I do a lot. Of, I do <laughs> a lot of reading. I do a lot of reading uh, and conversations too. People, you have you read this book? Have you read that book? I need to read it. And so as I feel like, okay, here's the battle in the culture right now, or here's the battle in our church, or here's the battle in the home. I want to get as knowledgeable on that topic Mm -hmm. as I possibly can. And then I'm going to be, I'm going to start stepping into it and I'm going to start preaching it. Now, for some people who like, let's just say when I, when I'm preaching on race, they're like, yes, yes, finally, 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 finally. And then I say something about socialism and they're like, what? I thought he was on my team yeah. or the exact opposite. You know, I preach, I'm preaching on abortion and I'm preaching against abortion, against abortion, against, you know, some of these things that are, that are, we would call more liberal values, um, or no, I'm sorry, more conservative values. And then I start t- hitting on race a little too hard. That makes them uncomfortable. Er. I thought he was on my team. So yeah. whose team are you on? <clears throat> well, I hate to be cliche, <laughs> But I'm on team Jesus. Amen. There you go. I'm on team Bible. Now, listen, I also don't want to be arrogant and say, I get, I get things wrong. I'm I, I, I you know I'm just like everybody else. So um, once I read a bunch of stuff, it doesn't mean <clears throat> that I've got the answer, right? Right. And for like with the race stuff specifically, there's that curve. I, my buddy sent it to me and I can't remember what it does. But it's like basically this curve of like you don't know anything and then you read one book and you think you know everything. And then you read ten books and you realize, oh crap I don't this is way more complex than I <laughs> yeah. thought it was and that's where I'm at i see I reject all simplistic answers to the problems. Mm. Anyone who offers a simple solution doesn't understand the, the problem in my in my perspective. I've read enough to realize how complex uh, the the issues are and uh, and so you know. I can speak too early, I can speak you know, I can be wrong and I have been. I, I've, I've said things that I wish I could take back and I've, I've been wrong and um, but that's usually what's going on that is helping us pick these mm-hmm. these topics. Either a question pops up or I see a cultural fight happening and that's the tension point. Now how do I apply the gospel to that? Yeah. And what Luther says is if, if when race pops up in the culture, and it's, and it's the big, and it's the big thing. If you avoid that and you just go talk about something we can all agree on, you're not actually being true to Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. Okay. And we, we talked about this, I think it was last week when we were, when I kind of critiqued, I, I critiqued, uh, Tim Keller because Keller is in New York city, which is, um, you know, more babies are aborted in New York city than born every year. And for Keller to only preach um, race relations and um, you know, equality and diversity in a culture that, that values equality, diversity, mm-hmm. and inclusion, and then not to preach or to significantly preach less, mm-hmm. 50 times in 20-something years, I think is what it was, abortion, which yeah. they hate that's a failure. Mm -hmm. That's a, that's a pastoral failure. Yeah. Luther would say here, this is, um, he's, he is running and hiding on the battlefield Mm. because where the battle's the hottest, he's afraid to step into it.
1: So how do you, um, I mean, cause we, we both preach a lot cause I preach on Wednesdays with youth and you preach on every Sunday. How do you like not get caught too far and you go too right or you go too left? Um, but you're staying centered on the gospel, but at the same time still addressing these issues that your congregation needs to hear because Mm -hmm. this is what scripture talks about.
0: Well, yeah, that's a great question. And the first thing I'm going to say is, okay, I'm going to speak theoretically here first, okay? Theoretically, you should know both sides of the argument. Yeah. And you should give each side kind of the benefit of the doubt. All right? <clears throat> so you shouldn't make straw man arguments. So so the, the side that you disagree with, you build up like the weakest, most indefensible um, construction of their argument, and then you knock it down and show how stupid it is. Mm. That's not being... Um, very charitable to the other side of the argument, but it makes you look real smart and it makes you look uh, makes you look good and makes your position look better. Now, I've pr- I've probably done that um, before, so and and sometimes it's not necessarily taking a middle position. Sometimes it's just kind of this week I'm taking a shot at the left and this next week I'm taking a shot at the right. You know, it's not fine. It's not necessarily, it's just providing a check, a check for a person with, because it's always like, you can go, you can easily go too far right. You can easily go too far left. You can go to, you know, whatever you can, anything to an extreme is going to become, it's going to become sin. Right. Yeah. So I would say pray, know both sides of the argument, try to do it as charitable as possible. <clears throat> um, and I have not done that in the past. I've definitely failed doing that in the past. Um, but then here's, here's the big one that everyone needs, that we all need to hear. Um, most preachers wimp out. Mm. And I say wimp out because I think it, it takes courage to do it because you never, you're never going to be like, unless it's like a really laid out. Clear issue, right? If it's a nuanced position, or if there's like, you know, if it's a gray area, even ish but but you feel passionate about it, you're never going to be a hundred percent certain. Every word you say is going to be accurate, yeah. right? And so it's a whole lot easier just to go, oh, I'm not going to say anything about that, mm. even though that you feel like the spirit's telling you to, it's a problem and you need to address it and you speak out, you're just going to take it back. Oh, no, no, no. I'm not 100%. I'm not 100% or I, I don't I'm too worried that, you know, I might offend somebody or somebody might not like it, so you just don't say anything. Mm-hmm. Right? And uh and, and there's a lot of people that that's what they do with the the topic of abortion because they know that there's people in the church that have had abortions. Yeah. And it's it's a hurtful topic. It's a grieving topic. It can be handled really poorly. And so, like, you know what, I'm not going to condemn it because there's so many people here that have had abortions and I just don't want them to feel bad. I want to hurt them. I don't want to be, I don't want to be a, you know, victim shamer or yeah. or abusive, spiritually abusive. And so they're just afraid. And so they don't speak out. Yeah. Right. And then so there's kids there and there's different people there who don't ever hear the truth because we're afraid of possibly offending or possibly hurting someone. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So um What I'm learning is when I am on one of those, when I am doing something like that, I need to tone down my passion. Mm. And this is something that I'm I'm learning uh, late in life.
1: (laughs) Well, you say like tone down your passion. Is that, is it because like you're side one, you're on one side or the other? Or just, that's just the way your personality is built?
0: Well... Whatever I'm preaching, I'm on that side. You know what I mean? So, yeah. like, because it's truth, it's from scripture. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But so, but when I come out, when I get, I am a passionate person. I'm a very intense person, yeah. right? And so, if some, if this is a, a subject that's very difficult for somebody, or they haven't, they don't, they don't really know the intricacies of the argument or whatever. And boom, I come out and I say something like, you know. Uh, you know something about racism that, that just strikes them, and I say it in a way that I, you know, I'm very intense. Very, they're 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 immediately smacked in the face, yeah, right? Yeah. Or I say something like socialism isn't conducive with Christianity. Boom! What? Whoa! Where did that come from?
1: Yeah,
0: right. So I have to make sure that I tone down my intensity when I have those arguments, and I want people to know too obviously i can't describe everything i can't perfectly illustrate everything yeah. in every sermon so if they don't and a lot of people do if if they have a question they call me they set up an e- they they email me they they set up an appointment we can we can talk it out hear the more nuanced position so that's something that i think um that i'm learning to to tone down the passion when i'm in a real kind of controversial hot button and that just you know we're in the society right now that stirs everything up and makes everything like really hot right now. Yeah. And for me to kind of get hot with them, I, I think, I don't think that's helpful. And it's something really that I did learn. I learned, I learned in the past couple of years during COVID and during George Floyd and during all this stuff that I've learned that, like, you know what? I could speak to this in a better way, in a more helpful way. Yeah. And um, it's something that I'm hoping to do better In the future, but there's here. And this is the the last point on your, on your question, Alex, there's gotta be grace. Yeah. Mm. I've got to give myself grace because I am my worst critic. I want to say everything perfect all the time. I want to know everything about everything at all times. Yeah. And so, because I don't want to hurt anybody and I want people to believe the truth and I want people to experience freedom and I want people to know the truth that sets them free and to take every thought captive and not be taken captive by vain philosophies of the world that the scripture tells us. And so I try to say things to the best of my ability, but I inevitably fail and make mistakes. And so I've got to be able to give grace to myself. And I need, I need church members that give grace to me as well, you know, and I know we have a lot of church members who's given me a ton of grace over the years. And I know that I'm a better preacher now. I'm the best preacher I've ever been right now. I'm more accurate and more precise in my speech. And, um, I'm the best preacher I've ever been right now. And that's in part to people giving me a lot of grace. But, and so when I do make mistakes, I also want to be, I I do want to be called on it. I, I want people to say, what did you mean by that? Well, I, I don't, you know, or whatever. And then yeah. make me, and maybe if I got, if they have a viewpoint that I haven't, that I haven't thought about, I want to be able to evaluate that and, mm-hmm. and think through it, you know?
1: <clears throat> that's good. <clears throat> yeah.
0: So, so that's, that's kind of, um, I'm going to read that. I want to read this Martin Luther quote one more time. As we close, Luther says this, if I profess with the loudest voice And clearest exposition, every portion of the truth of God, except precisely that little point which the world and the devil are at that moment attacking, I am not confessing Christ. Mm. However boldly I may be professing Christ. Where the battle rages, there the loyalty of the soldier is proved. And to be steady on all the battlefield besides is mere flight and disgrace if he flinches at that point. Mm. So there's always going to be be things that our culture agrees with about Christianity, and you can preach those to your blue in the face, and yes, you should. But if you flinch <clears throat> from sharing the things that our culture finds anathema, our culture finds repulsive, then you're not confessing Christ. Yeah. And so that's one of the things that I, one of the reasons why, uh, what helps us choose topics. But if you've got any questions, please email me, Justin Dean at sacredcitychurch.com. We thank you for listening to us. We thank you for sharing. We're hearing more and more uh, every week from you guys, our listeners, and we're really thankful for your feedback. We would appreciate if you liked us, you shared us, you pass it on to your friends and family, and give us any, any feedback. Uh, we possibly could get we would we would love it rate us on itunes rate us in spotify do the thing we love you god bless you